Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sleep Apnea Pathfinders, a weekly podcast for patients, their families, and healthcare providers to share their stories of success and challenges. We are passionate about sleep apnea and its impact on our overall health. Please join your hosts, David and Juanita, as they share their passion on all things sleep apnea. Welcome to the Sleep Apnea Pathfinders podcast. This is our fourth podcast, and we welcome all regardless of the path you are on. My name is Juanita. And I'm David. During this episode, we're going to talk about sleep apnea, common and uncommon signs and symptoms. So how are you, David? I'm good, Juanita. I'm uh, talking to you from the closet, and I'm just outside of Chicago, so it's uh, you know, a nice view from here. I can't see downtown Chicago from here, um, but we hope the sound quality has gotten better for our listeners. What about you? Where are you coming from? Yeah, well, I live in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia, and I am sitting in my closet as well. So like David said, you know, give us some feedback. Let us know how the, the sound quality is. We hear that this is the golden spot, so we'll see. <laughs> right, right, right. We'd like to thank our listeners who have downloaded uh, from the United States, Australia, and Morocco. So we're certainly grateful that you're listening, and uh, we hope you're enjoying the flow of our episodes, and uh, we've got many more to come. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you. All right. So I guess let's chat about sleep apnea. That's what we do. <laughs> so we're going to talk, like what I said, about common signs and symptoms and uncommon signs and symptoms. But let's first uh, make the distinction between a sign and a symptom. Uh, in the medical world, a sign is a health issue that can be observed. And we'll talk about some of those today. And a symptom is a subjective experience of a potential health issue that cannot be observed. So those are the distinctions between those. And they typically go hand in hand and sometimes can look pretty gray. It's not always so concrete. So Juanita, for sleep apnea, there are various signs and symptoms that medical professionals are asking about. And there are some common signs and symptoms for sleep apnea, and there are some that are uncommon. So we're really going to get into some of those today. Can you make a distinction as to why we're talking about signs versus symptoms? Sure. It's important to talk about signs because that's an outside observation. It's not always clear to us what's happening. So that's when we rely on what we're being told. We don't necessarily know what we're doing while we're sleeping. Many people know that they're sleeping. So when they're being told, that's when it brings the awareness. Okay. That's, that, as a patient, that's a really important point to make. And let's go over some of the signs. Sure. Some signs are loud snoring, loud breathing, observed episodes of stopped breathing, abrupt awakenings accompanied by gasping or choking. Signs would be weight gain, neck circumference. To give everyone a frame here, men would be greater than 17 inches and women would be greater than 16 inches as a reference. Okay. So those are some really important signs to, to, to bring up. The question that our listeners may be asking is, do all people who snore have sleep apnea? 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, when is a snore innocent and when is it not? This is this is tough to tell sometimes, but I will say this in regards to sleep apnea. When someone is snoring and they can be heard outside of a room, that is called obstruction. That is abnormal. No one should be snoring that loud. Um, now, there are many situations where some snores are fairly innocent and it's not connected to uh, sleep apnea. But this scale is not so black and white. But I will say, if you are being heard outside of a room or disrupting someone else's sleep, that is a sign of obstruction. So the point that you make regarding uh, awakening or gasping or choking and not being able to observe that is really important. I went through many years where my wife was telling me that I did gasp for breath and uh, she saw me having issues. And for many years, I didn't listen to my wife. And it wasn't that I didn't believe her. It was that it was not in my consciousness. It was something that I couldn't observe. So it was difficult for me to. Right. It was theoretical to me. And it was not something that was in my consciousness. So I know some people may live alone and they may not have a bed partner who's able to observe them. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, who's not able to observe these signs. Do you have any. Any recommendation for people who live alone? Yeah, that's when it becomes pretty tough. So if you live alone, perhaps you could record yourself while sleeping. I've had many patients report doing this. Sometimes we just don't know. And that's when we start to rely on symptoms. We'll start asking, is your sleep refreshing? Are you experiencing headaches when you wake up? How's your mood through the day? Are you running out of energy? Have you woken yourself up from snoring or gasping? How someone feels gives us an indicator if sleep apnea could be on board or not. So are you talking about if somebody's sleep is refreshing? Right. Okay. So that's yeah. A- if, if they're reporting that they're not feeling refreshed often and they're um, longing for naps, a few a day or one a day, or they're having morning headaches or they're having difficulty concentrating, and a few other symptoms, that could be an indication that sleep apnea could be taking place. So let's go back to excessive urination. Yeah. What are what are some things around excessive urination? When we're having sleep apnea, what is happening when we start to gasp and choke is our brain is basically telling us, wake up, wake up, we, we've got to breathe. So when we wake up a lot through the night, the first thing we need to do typically when we wake up and stay awake is we have to use the bathroom. And so we see a lot of people with sleep apnea having to use the bathroom several once a night to several times a night. Then this will vary from person to person. Um, it also depends on other comorbidities someone's taking, um, dealing with, I should say. But when someone does report, um, Urination at night, that can be an indication sleep apnea is on on board. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. So let's just talk a little bit more about some of the signs that you mentioned Mm -hmm. and uh, the the neck circumference. So that's surprising to hear that 
For men, it's 17 inches, and for women, it's 16 inches. That's related to weight gain. As we gain weight, our necks measure larger, as well as everything else. People with thicker necks may have a narrower airway, which makes it more difficult for air to pass through their throat to their lungs. So, Juanita, are these the only signs that people should be on the lookout for? Uh, they're not the only signs. I think they're the most common signs. They're the most common signs we're going to uh, ask people. They're on some scales that we're going to reference here in a little bit. Um, you know, if more, if most of these apply to you, there's a good chance sleep apnea is taking place. So these are some of the most common signs that, that should be mentioned for sure. And I think this is where a lot of couples struggle where one bed partners may be saying that, Hey, you, you meet all of these signs and you yeah. should go get evaluated. And, uh, the other bed partner is going, eh, not really. Feel it. I'm tired, but uh, you know, I think things are going generally well. So we 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 will talk about that. Yes, um, I hear this often. Uh, what's being described to someone versus how the other one feels is not always aligned, mm-hmm. and, and we'll talk more about that. <laughs> yep. And one tip would be to get to a point where you can ask a bed partner if you can record a short video. This would help them see themselves. And it would help give a more accurate picture of what's happening at night. So let's move on to symptoms. And you started to talk about symptoms previously. Yeah, we asked people how they feel. Like, what are you experiencing? We're going to ask questions like, uh, are you experiencing morning headaches? Is this regular? Are you having difficulty concentrating during the day? Um, Do you have um, dry mouth, sore throat? Um, more often than not, are you irritable during the day? Or are you experiencing any mood swings, fatigue? Um, one area people will mention is um, depression or they don't feel as well as they used to. And, um, you know, the, the bottom line is when we don't sleep well, we don't feel well. And, and that's the truth. So that's um, so that's why we ask how people are feeling. Because we should feel refreshed after we sleep. We should feel like we have enough energy to make it through the day without um, struggling. Just wanted to touch on something you just said. You just mentioned depression. I want to remind our listeners that in our last episode, we talked about neurotransmitters and hormones which contribute to stress, anxiety, and depression. That's interesting that those symptoms are the things that are going to be asked about. You know, you're right. It's not common to go to sleep and get eight hours and wake up feeling unrefreshed. But I think this is a culture that is 24 hours a day. We've normalized feeling tired. We have. You know, when it's interfering with our quality of life, hopefully we can step back and take a closer look at what's happening. Yeah, our perception of wellness and how we feel changes over time. Many of us will acknowledge that maybe we don't feel the way we used to and we accept it as our new normal. So, Juanita, are there any tools or anything that people can reference on the Internet that could help them go through these symptoms and signs in a more organized way? Yes. Um, People can look up um, when determining how sleepy we are. We can look up a scale called the Epworth Sleepiness Scale. 
Uh, this scale we use all the time. It's used as a subjective measure of a person's sleepiness. It's a test. Um, the test is a list of eight situations in which you rate your tendency to become sleepy on the scale of zero being no chance of dozing or three being a high chance of dozing. Um, at the end, we add up the score and then we interpret it. The higher the score leads us to believe someone is suffering from excessive sleepiness and they should seek medical attention. Um, they can look up a scale called the stop bang and the stop bang stands for snoring history, tired during the day, observed stop breathing while asleep, blood pressure, BMI more than 35, age greater than 50, neck circumference and gender a neck circumference would be more would be 16 or greater so those scales are available for anyone to look up right yes yeah you can just just you can just google epworth sleepiness scale and or stop bang so from my experience my sleep position had me fill out a epworth sleepiness scale mm-hmm. so that's standard Yep. Okay. Is there anything that primary care doctors fill out? They can. I, I've heard of um, I've heard of patients telling me that their primary care doctor, you know, they gave them a questionnaire of some sort that led them to believe they need to see a sleep physician. So I believe it's being passed out. I don't know every time. I guess it would depend on the type of visit the patient arrived for, if um, sleepiness was on the radar or not. So this is a patient tip. If you feel like you've met all these criteria on the Epworth mm-hmm. sleepiness scale, I would recommend that you download a copy of this and take it into your doctor to start the conversation. And some doctors may not be familiar with the Epworth sleepiness scale. So you may be providing information that they were unaware of. So again, this just starts the conversation with your primary care physician. And both the Epworth and the Stop Bang, you can fill them out online and get a score. And how are they scored? At the bottom of the uh, questionnaires, they give you a scale. So if you score 0 to 7 or if you score 8 to 16 or 17 to 24, they give you ranges so you kind of know what range you're in and if um, it's suggested you need to see a sleep physician or not. And that's for the Epworth, right? Yeah, yeah, and if stop bang, if your score is high, then they'll it'll suggest you see a sleep physician as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Juanita, let's talk about people's perception about their fatigue and what you've seen. Perception in general changes over time. When someone has a sleep study, they'll be given a pre and post sleep questionnaire to determine their sleep perception. This gives us a clue as to how people think they're doing versus what they're actually doing. Um, One thing we're noticing is excessive amounts of caffeine consumption to help with fatigue. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, many of us drink caffeine, myself included. 
Uh, I think when caffeine becomes an issue is when we consume a large amount of caffeine and we consume it throughout the whole day. I don't think some people are aware of just how much they're consuming because they kind of get used to it, which is I understand. Um, But let's just talk about what caffeine actually is. It is a stimulant. And what that means is it increases your brain activity and your and it also increases activity in your nervous system. And it can also increase the circulation of chemicals such as cortisol, which we've mentioned before, and adrenaline in the body. So when we consume a large amount of this throughout the day, we run the risk of it impacting our our sleep ultimately. Uh, many people like to argue that it doesn't affect their sleep because they can drink um, some caffeine and go right to sleep. So I'd like to be clear, caffeine does not prohibit you from initiating sleep. However, it can negatively impact your sleep cycles through the night. Because whether you're awake or asleep, you've consumed a stimulant and it has a job to do. So that's why some people were noticing limb movements, excessive limb movements, periodic limb movements. When people who consume a lot of caffeine, they're linking it to uh, caffeine. So I don't so it's important to be mindful of how much we're actually consuming. So those are really good points. And the other thing I think we want people to be aware of is that consuming caffeine can sometimes obscure what you're reporting to your physician in terms of your fatigue. And even what you may fill out on the scale, it may kind of skew your perception of your overall tiredness Filling out the scale may not be an accurate representation of how you're actually sleeping. Yeah. Another thing to mention is, you know, oftentimes people who do ask questions about caffeine, like when should I stop drinking caffeine so it doesn't impact my sleep? Um, Again, this is going to vary. For myself personally, I like to stop uh, six hours minimum. Before bed, um, I have had to train myself over the years. I was not I, always ideal in this regard by any means. But um, as I've gotten older, sleep is so important. I'm going to I'm I am mindful now a long time ago. Not so much. But uh, if I know I'm going to be in bed by nine, I'm going to stop three at, at the latest. So just to clarify, you're not telling us to give up caffeine, right? No, I don't tell people to give up caffeine. <laughs> Good. Good. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about signs. And uh, really, let's take a closer look at BMI as a sign, for example. And the biggest myth out there is that people who are obese are the only ones who could possibly have sleep apnea. And really, the fact is that you can have zero body fat and also have sleep apnea. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Uh, Sure. Sometimes um, it's our anatomical structure. Uh, So it depends on how things are shaped, uh, how small our airway is. If we have um, a lot of swelling in our airway, because it's soft tissue. So this uh, this can vary from person to person. Um, sleep apnea. A lot of people don't 
think they look like sleep apnea, whatever that is. And the idea that we have, um, we have in our minds about what it should look like. That's not always the case. Uh, some people with sleep apnea are, are quite slender, actually. And athletic. <laughs> so that's a great point to make. We really want people to understand that there's a, a wide range of body types that people have and you know, it could be hiding in plain sight with somebody who is very thin. So, mm-hmm. yeah, BMI alone is not an indicator that you don't mm-hmm. have sleep apnea. Correct. So let's now talk about symptoms and how they differ. You mentioned gender in the stop bang assessment mm-hmm. or the stop bang screener as something that needs to be considered. So women are more likely to report nonspecific symptoms. So one of the really interesting things about sleep apnea is there's a difference in how women report symptoms and how men report symptoms. It's There's a slight difference there. And women are more likely to report nonspecific symptoms such as headaches, fatigue, depression, anxiety, and sleep onset insomnia. Whereas men are frequently going to report snoring, gasping, snorting, and some of those other primary hallmarks of sleep apnea. So can you touch on that for a little bit? I hear more male patients report what has been witnessed and what they have woken themselves up doing. Examples would be snoring, gasping, snorting. I hear more female patients talk about symptoms that may not sound like a sleep disorder to their primary care physician or other others who are listening to them. Those examples are mental and physical fatigue, anxiety, headaches, and having difficulty with insomnia. So that's something we want our listeners to be aware of, that there are some differences in how sleep apnea is reported based on gender. If you feel Mm -hmm. like you're having some of these symptoms, it's still important to bring them up to your doctor. And it's also important to maybe look at it from a different context in terms of it potentially being a serious sleep disorder. So as we are wrapping up this episode, we want to recap a few things, signs versus symptoms. Um, Sometimes signs are not always so obvious to us because they're um, being observed. Uh, Symptoms um, sometimes can be because it's... um, things that we're dealing with and how we feel. So it's important to be mindful to know the signs. What are other people telling you? What are other people telling you that they're witnessing? Those are important factors to report to your doctor, even though you are unaware of them. Um, Know your symptoms. How do you feel when you wake up through the day? Um, Are there any other comorbidities that you're dealing with that could be exacerbated by this. Be mindful of that and report those to your physician. Um, The scales David and I mentioned regarding um, the Epworth sleepiness scale and the stop bang, they are available online. If you're curious, fill those out, see where your scores are, report those to your physician. Um, Another thing we spoke about on this episode is our sleep perception, being mindful of are we sleeping as well as we think we are, and how long has this been going on? 
those are those are tough um, questions to to ask. But ask yourself those. Um, and are we consuming too much caffeine? Can can we shave some off through the day? People have to decide. Uh, another thing we touched on is signs can be different, and symptoms. Signs and symptoms are both different uh, for men versus women. And again, those will depend on the people as well. But these are the trends that we see here. Uh, I hope by discussing these points, it helps bring awareness to how sleep apnea impacts our lives. And in future episodes, we'll we'll peel back some more layers to uncover this. So if you'd like to tell us where you are on your sleep apnea path, please email us at sleepapneapathfinders at gmail.com. We'd like to remind everyone listening that information shared in this podcast is for informational purposes only. You should not t- make any changes to prescribe treatment based on information contained in this podcast. On our next episode, we'll discuss sleep apnea through a social Lynn, looking at the cost of untreated sleep apnea. Another thing we'd like to mention is uh, David and I have started an Instagram account. You can find us there. We're at Sleep Apnea Pathfinders. Uh, so give us a follow, and we're going to supply you all with uh, some sleep information um, over time. We look forward to connecting with you over Instagram. All right, this wraps up this episode, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an episode of Sleep Apnea Pathfinders. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe. Join us again next week for a new episode.